The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Welcome to a discussion of radical fundamental principles of freedom, rational self-interest, laissez-faire capitalism, and individual rights. The Yaron Brooks Show starts now. Hey everybody, hope you're having a great weekend. Uh, this is the Yaron Brooks Show on the Blaze Radio Network. And, uh, you know, last time, last time uh, we got a question right at the end of the show about the universal basic income. I, I gave some uh, some. Uh, comments about that but i thought it would be it's a good topic to really delve a little bit deeply into because it's it's everywhere right now uh, we, we we just uh, just just read a story about elon musk you know elon musk from tesla and from uh, spacex and uh, battery designer all, all kind of great you know technological ideas and he was just uh, speaking i think in, in front of the nevada some commission in nevada and he was saying you know we've got to regulate Artificial intelligence and artificial intelligence is going to destroy jobs. It's going to annihilate jobs. And of course, we're all afraid of robots. And he said, robots are going to take every single job that exists. So we're all going to be unemployed. So the government has to start regulating this because, because, I guess, because. Um, so it's everywhere. Charles Murray a few months ago came out with a conservative uh, plan for uh, universal basic income. So I want to get into that. What is it? Why is it coming up right now? What are the advantages? What are the disadvantages? Where do, where do you guys uh, fall on, on, on the UBI? So if you have an opinion about the universal basic income, everybody gets a basic income. Everybody gets something. Uh, Charles Murray suggests $10,000. Every single person, adult, gets $10,000 a year from the government. What do you think about that? 888-900-3393. 888-900-3319. Now we'll get to the subtleties of, uh, to the details of, uh, Charles Murray, Charles Murray's proposal because, you know, he's not an idiot. So, uh, so it has, uh, it has certain features that are, uh, that are worth considering. And we'll, we'll get into that, uh, in, uh, in a little while. And I'll, I'll give you much more detail, much more detail about that. So, uh, if, you, but if you want to call 888-900-3393, um, I also want to talk today about uh, the minimum wage. Again, a lot of stuff coming out about the minimum wage. Big study in Seattle a couple of weeks ago, but uh, other stuff going on in terms of the minimum wage. A lot of uh, cities uh, continue to increase minimum wages to $15 an hour. Good, bad, mediocre. You know, what? what, what is up with this? Why won't the minimum wage go away? Why won't? The minimum wage go away. We'll talk about that. And then finally, I want to talk about Ayn Rand. And, and as many of you know, I am uh, the executive chairman. I've been involved with the Ayn Rand Institute for, for many, many years. Um, I used to be the CEO, now chairman. Um, and uh, Ayn Rand was in the news a lot this last week, a lot. So uh, I, I want to talk about why she was in the news so much, what, what's going on, what were the topics that were being covered uh, in the news. Um, I was quoted quite a bit. Uh, in two news stories, so I want to talk about that uh, about that and, uh, and and what are the issues. But also, Paul Krugman came out and and lashed out at Ayn Rand as he does about once a quarter. So is that a good thing, bad thing? Uh, what do we think uh, generally about? Uh, what do I think? What do we think? What do I think about all this attention that uh, Ayn Rand is getting in the press uh, these days? So uh, we'll talk about that as well and. Um, so a lot to cover. What, what we won't talk about, 
What we won't talk about, because I have nothing to say about it. Well, I have something to say about it, but it, I just find it sickening and and uh, and we is we're not going to talk about Russia and and uh, and Trump. We're just not going to talk about that. Uh, you can read about that everywhere else, pretty much, nonstop, twenty four seven. Every uh, every basically every major news outlet is covering that. Uh, you don't need to hear anything from me about it. Although, at some point, I'll have something to say about it. But uh, it's uh, it's. Uh, quite you know it's non-stop it's everywhere everybody's talking about this it's it's kind of nutty all right so uh so we're gonna we're gonna uh we're gonna cover all that we're gonna start with um let me just do something here we, we're gonna start really with uh i'll turn uh you know universal basic income universal basic income so let's let's start with what it is, what is universal basic income and, uh, you know, how does it, how does it function? So I'm going to take as probably the best idea here is, uh, is a proposal made by, uh, by Charles Murray. Now, Charles Murray is a pretty serious guy. I, I, nothing Charles Murray suggests should be taken lightly. He's not a lightweight. He's a, he's a heavyweight. He put out a book that basically makes this uh, this case. It's called "In Our Hands: A Plan to Replace the Welfare State." And um, the idea is this: uh, you know, people out there, uh, we've got um, all these government programs that help people out. We've got welfare. We've got like three hundred different welfare programs, from food stamps to unemployment insurance. You know, insurance in quotes because it's not really insurance to all these other different types of uh, of welfare and uh, government help and government assistance you know social security has this massive program uh that if you get um you know if 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 you can't work or or you know if you get injured if you get something like that there's huge amount of subsidies uh that go to you uh so uh you know so you've got you've got social security in it and you've got social security so if you get old right if you get old this is covered uh and uh and you know then there's medicare if you get sick and you're old this the government basically pays your health care bills and then there's medicaid that if you're poor and you're sick the government pays your medical bills and then you've got um i don't know what else do you have well, you've got a million different things. You've got governments at the state level, at the federal level, uh, redistributing wealth from some people to other people on, on just a massive scale and constantly and in a hundred different types of programs. It's not even one program. It's, it's all, you know, there's so many government agencies from housing agencies that subsidize housing for the poor to, uh, to all the different welfare agencies that exist out there. There are literally hundreds of programs. The big ones being, big ones, is just straight kind of welfare. But the really big ones, and I consider these welfare, I know many of you don't. The really big ones are, are Social Security, Medicare, and the big one right now that's being discussed as part of the Obamacare, so-called pretend, let's pretend we're going to repeal bill, uh, that Republicans uh, can't actually even do that. And that's a whole other topic I've already talked about. We might talk a little bit about today is the inability of Republicans to repeal Obamacare. But so here you and then you've got Obamacare, right? Which Obamacare in, its, in of itself is a massive subsidization of insurance rates. 
insurance rates to all different um, different people, right? So, so young people and old people and uh, sick people, everybody is getting a subsidy from the government, which is another form of welfare, right? So you've got, think about all the different ways, hundreds of different ways in which the government takes money from some people and give it to others. Now, put aside all the corporate welfare nonsense, all the subsidies there. We'll set those aside. We're not talking about those. We're just talking about like from person to person, person to person, redistribution of wealth, person to person, money taken from some and given to others, all in the name of helping the poor. And and really, this has got to push during two big pushes during three different administrations. During FDR's administration, when we got Social Security and we got much of the infrastructure of the office state. Johnson, where we got the war on poverty, the war on poverty, right? And of course, what, did the, what has happened since the war on poverty was started in the 1960s? Nothing. I mean, there's many people poor today as they were back then. It has done nothing to actually alleviate poverty. But, but as a consequence of that, we have had, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of different, uh, different welfare programs all instituted in the name of the war on poverty. Right. So, uh, so that was uh, that was in the 1960s, and of course we got George W. Bush, uh, a big time, a, a big time, um, uh, you know, a, a welfare uh, proponent uh, who expanded Medicare through Part D of Medicare, expanded Medicare dramatically, and uh, you know, again, Medicare is a massive welfare program. Now, some of you say, but I pay my taxes. So only a fraction of Medicare's true costs are being paid by you. But it's not your money is paying for your expenses. Your money is going into a pool that then is given to some people. It's a massive redistribution of wealth. Your money is basically given to retired people today. So Medicare is a massive redistribution program. You cannot get away from that. And same with Medicaid and same with Social Security. The Social Security Trust Fund has no money in there because all the money that you have given through your payroll taxes has been spent already. What does it mean it's been spent already? It's been given to people. It's been redistributed. All right. So all of this, so that's just a set of context, right? We have massive quantities of Massive numbers of uh, welfare programs out there. And UBI, at its best, under the Charles Murray proposal, which I think is the best of all of them, would replace all of them with a fixed sum, same sum that everybody gets. All right. Uh, you're listening to your Run Book Show. We're talking about UBI today, or one of the topics we're going to talk about. Um, you're going to get a very unique perspective that you won't get anywhere else. Uh, share it. Link to this. Get your friends to listen. Get your friends um, engaged. You can call in 888-900-3393. We'll be taking calls after this break. You've been listening to your Ron Brooks Show. Best-selling author, prolific media contributor, PhD in finance. This is the Yaron Brooks Show. The Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to the Yaron Brooks Show. All right. We're, we're, we're talking about redistribution of wealth. We're talking about the welfare state 
and we're talking about proposals to replace much of the welfare state with what's called universal basic income, and a number of different proposals being floated out there from Silicon Valley, Mark Zuckerberg was talking about it the other day, about how wonderful it is that in Alaska they have the equivalent of universal basic income, which is money, you know, there's a big fund in Alaska that everybody in Alaska gets a check from. Um, it doesn't quite work that way, but but Mark Zuckerberg was romanticizing it. And then and then you've got Elon Musk walking, going around the world saying, oh, jobs are going to be lost. Nobody's going to be working in a few years because robots are going to do everything. And then what are we going to do? People are going to die. Unless you know how to build robots, or unless you know, well, robots are going to build robots, right? Human beings are going to be go extinct, according to Elon Musk, because of um, robots, artificial intelligence. So we need to keep ourselves alive by redistributing wealth from the few of us who are going to actually produce any wealth to the rest of us in the world. We're going to have to redistribute wealth from robots to the rest of us. And actually, I think Bill Gates a few months ago was talking about taxing robots, taxing robots because they produce the wealth, tax them, and uh, and then redistribute the wealth to the rest of us and the rest of us will be happy. All right. If you want to, I think we've got some problems on the phone lines, but you can try 888-900-3393. Uh, give it a try and see, uh, but if you've got any ideas, comments, suggestions about uh, universal basic income, what's your view? What's your opinion about the whole thing? Let me know. Okay, so so universal basic income basically is, is at least the Charles Murray proposal, which I think is, is the best I've seen so far. So I'm going to take the best case, right? Basically says... We end all welfare programs, including, and I include under welfare programs, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, and all the rest of the hundreds of other redistribution programs. So, uh, you know, in the United States, we have 11 different uh, medical uh, welfare programs to aid the poor, 11 different programs on the federal level. We have cash aid. We have... Five different programs, right? Five different programs, uh, including the Earned Income Tax Credit, which we'll get to in a little bit, a little bit which is kind of a negative income tax. Um, we've got two, uh, 12 different food-type programs, food stamps, food subsidies, food stamps problem, right? We've got 15 different educational programs, money given to poor kids to go to school, but 15 different ones. And then we've got 13 housing programs, 13 different programs that are all mean-tested, that are all based on how poor you are, where we take money from some people and give it to others, right? 15 social services programs, eight employment and training programs, and two programs focused on energy, I guess subsidizing energy for poor people, uh, uh, oil and gas and, and electricity and whatever. Right? Hundreds of these programs, hundreds. I mean, that's just the main big federal programs. The 80-plus federal welfare programs, the, the, the names of the departments, I've got a list here. It just goes on and on forever. That doesn't include any estate programs and all the rest of it, right? Why does it concern me, somebody asked. It concerns me because they're taking my money and they're spending it on all these programs. They're taking my money, my tax money, and they're dishing it out to millions of people in the most inefficient, ridiculous way that's kind of the practical side of it. And then what right do they have to my money? They just take my money, they steal my money, and then they get to decide. They get to decide how to spend it. It's mine. 
why not why not me right why not me taking uh, decide how to spend my money it's my money it's not theirs how do you eat how do you, how do you get money you work if you work you earn money you earn it you're not stealing it you're not taking it from somebody else then you spend it any way you want and if you want to help people by giving that money to charity and by helping them out great good for you if it's consistent with your values and if you have the money to spare and if you don't can't think of better uses for the money go for it but that's not the system we have the system we have is you work hard you make the money and then the government steps in completely arbitrarily because some people voted for some idiots in washington dc and they've determined the tax rate and they decide how much of your money they're going to take away and they're going to spend it on some things you like and some things you hate and and a lot of things you hate and you you have no say in it you have zero say in it and that's you know that's the world in which we live and that's this welfare state and it's so inefficient and it's so cumbersome and think about the hundreds of thousands of bureaucrats working in it who could be doing something productive actually creating wealth instead of redistributing it and sucking away their own salaries and what what Charles Murray suggests is very simple and very appealing to those of us who, who, who think the government is, is, is incredibly inefficient and, uh, you know, they are, those of us who think it's immoral what the government is doing, but, but, in, but incredibly, incredibly economically stupid and inefficient, one solution to that is to get rid of all these programs get rid of all these programs and then instead just give people a check for a, a lump sum amount in Charles Murray uh, in Charles Murray's case it would be ten thousand dollars give everybody in the United States who's an adult ten thousand dollars and they can do whatever they want with that money but they're not gonna get anything else from the government that is it and whether they have a job or not, they still get the $10,000. So it, it's not the case, like I've seen uh, that often happens, that you know you have a job and you're making, you're making very little, let's say, barely, barely surviving, right? And then, um, and then you lose that job. And now you're getting welfare, because welfare is tax-free, you're getting welfare that's worth more than what you were making in the job. Unemployment insurance, all these 90 programs, if you add them all up, you're actually getting more than what you got on the job. So getting a job now is a negative, is, is negative. You have no incentive to go out and get a job. Your incentive is basically to stay on welfare. So what the uh, alternative uh, universal basic income does is it does away with that. Because whether you have a job or don't have a job, you still get the, the, the basic income. You still get the $10,000. So your incentive now, if you want to become wealthier, is to get a job because you get to keep the rest. All right. So it's incredibly appealing, and we'll get to why it's appealing in a minute. We'll get to its advantages, and then we'll talk about the disadvantages, and then we'll get to see whether I think it's a good idea or not. Now, we do have Stuart on the line. We'll get Stuart after the, the, the break that's coming up in just a few, really a few uh, seconds and we'll talk to Stuart. If you want in on the conversation, you can call 888 900 3393. When we get back, 
We're going to talk more about the universal basic income. We're going to talk to Stuart, and we're going to talk to anybody else who called. You're listening to your Ron Brook Show. We'll be right back. You're on Brook on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, we're talking about universal basic income. You're listening to your Ron Brooks show on the Blaze Radio Network. And um, so we set it up, right? We set it up. We've got all these welfare programs. Uh, and uh, yet, the, the idea is, Charles Murray's idea is, to replace all these uh, welfare programs with just one, one simple payment. Reduce the bureaucracy, ultimately in the long term, reduce the cost of these welfare programs, take away the disincentive that people on welfare have to actually engage in work, actually uh, to make a living, and uh, sounds great. Now that's one one thrust, one one source of the argument, uh, and that's that's Charles Murray, and that's what the the conservatives and and the right uh, view. But there's a, there's another thrust of the argument, and that comes out of Silicon Valley. And the other thrust of the argument is, look, guys, robots are going to take all our jobs. So they're not going to, there's not going to be work in the future to be done. There are not going to be opportunities to actually engage in, uh, in any kind of job. And suddenly, for a vast number of people on the planet who, who are engaged in manual labor, Manual labor, uh, manual labor is um, is gone, right? Manual labor is going to disappear. Robots are going to do everything. I mean, think about it. They're not going to be assembly line jobs. They really are not going to be assembly line jobs, and I, I agree completely. They're not going to be auto jobs and auto parts jobs and manufacturing jobs. All those jobs are going to be done by robots, and the robots are not sophisticated yet to do a lot of those jobs. But give it. 10, 20 years, and the robots will do pretty much every manufacturing jobs that you can imagine. But then it's not just the manual jobs. The whole area of what's called artificial intelligence where is going to replace human beings in smart jobs as well, on figuring out the optimal way to, to, to design and construct an assembly line. I don't know that human beings do that today, never mind in the future. Um, but, but, but here's one that, that I think is pretty amazing. They have a software today that if you feed it in like MRI scans, is better at detecting certain cancers than any radiologist is. And you could imagine software a hundred times more powerful in 10 years because, because the rate at which these things get better is exponential. It, it, a lot of technology today follows Moore's law. Moore's law is that, uh, what was it, that the rate of, uh, the speed of uh, processing, computer processing, computer programming, it doubles every, I forget how many years uh, Moore's law is, but it's, 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 a, it's an exponential dramatic growth. Maybe somebody, somebody in one of the chats can remind me uh, uh, what law, Moore's law does in terms of growth. So imagine 
this uh, software, this smart software, the software that can analyze huge quantities of data, software that can actually learn, learn in a sense from the data. Most lawyers every year doubles, right? So imagine the growth path when that happens, and you can see it actually happening. In computer processing power, somebody else says two years. All right, when you guys decide whether it's a year or two years, let me know. We've got we've got conflict on the uh, on the chat board. Um, but imagine imagine what would happen in terms of robots, in terms of software, in terms of AI, in terms of all these things to all these jobs, including you know things like radiology. So it's every two years a double. Sorry, not every year, every two years, including radiology. It's massive growth. And you know, so radiologists are going to go away, but but there are thousands of jobs that are going to disappear. I mean, one of the things I tell people is one of the things you should do, just as a self help thing, as 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 taking responsibility for your own life, is really caring about your own life. Is think, is think, consider as part of your plan of your career. Can a robot or a computer take my job in the next five years, ten years, twenty years? Take truck drivers. There are three and a half million truck drivers in the United States. Three and a half million truck drivers in the United States. And the real question is, what are they going to do when you get self-driving trucks? Now, some people think that's five years away. I think it's more like ten, twenty years away. But at some point, those three and a half million people will not have a job driving trucks. So, what happens to them? And Elon Musk. And Zuckerberg and a lot of these high tech guys are saying nothing. They're going to starve unless we do something about it. And the solution, therefore, is to guarantee a basic income. Is to say everybody gets something. Now they would probably do it higher than ten thousand because they don't think these people will ever get a job. So they're going to have to make it enough so people can really live on. So they'll make it more than ten thousand. Uh, uh, Charles Murray. Suggests ten thousand because he actually expects these people to get a job above and beyond the ten thousand. Ten thousand is just a basic floor, kind of a social, a real social security for everybody, right? So this is the idea. So you got two strands, a very kind of strand that comes from the high tech industry,、uh, primarily held by by people who have more left leaning views, and that is the idea. That、uh, people are just not going to have jobs because of robots, because of artificial intelligence, and then you have a whole strand that comes more from the right, more for conservatives. Although a lot of、uh, the left supports this as well, that just as a way of being more efficient in replacing welfare, we've got to take care of people. We've got to give them some basic way of living. The system we have today is is going bankrupt, and it is going bankrupt. This country will be bankrupt because of Social Security and Medicare. It's going bankrupt. So we can we can simplify it, we can cut costs, we can cut bureaucracy, and make it more efficient, and take away the disincentive that people have when they're on welfare to get a job. All right, so、um, that's where we are. Let's take let's take Stuart. Let's take call from Stuart quickly, and then uh, and then uh, we're going to take a break, and then we're gonna、uh, we're gonna go back to a further discussion of the advantages disadvantages of of the, this kind of scheme. Hey, Stuart, how's it going? Aloha, aloha. Great. Go ahead. I want to ask you about the minimum wage. Last year, Jerry Brown, the governor of California, you know, wanted to raise the minimum wage, and he said raising the minimum wage actually does not make sense economically, but morality requires that he do it anyway. And I thought, what does it mean for the minimum wage to 
make sense economically. It means it does what people purport it would do, which yeah. is improve living standards of low-income people. And he admitted minimum wage doesn't do that. And yet he's saying morality requires him to do that, to raise minimum wage. I know you're you're right, but and, and but I'm gonna I'm going to um, I'm going to defer that question to the second part of the show after I finish talking about universal basic income. Uh, I'm going to talk about minimum wages, and this is a great point you bring up about Governor Brown, California's governor, saying because some people uh, maybe didn't hear you saying that uh, the minimum wage doesn't work economically, but morally we're obliged to do it, which is so perverse and so distorted and so nuts that uh, I'm going to have to, I'll talk about that when I talk about the minimum wage. So thanks to it. Thanks for bringing that up. Uh, I appreciate it, but I, I want to wait with the minimum wage discussion until after I finish the discussion of UBI. All right. Uh, you know, we've got, we've got some stuff to say here uh, about UBI, so um, uh, let's finish with that. Stuart, thanks for the call. All right. So we've, we've talked about what it is, what UBI is. Um, We've talked about why it's coming up. Uh, Charles Murray, people say, our system currently is inefficient. It's going bankrupt. And uh, this Silicon Valley say, all jobs are going to be replaced by robots, AI. Is there any truth to those claims? One. Two, if we instituted UBI, what are the advantages? What are the disadvantages? And bottom line, good thing, bad thing. We're going to cover all that on the Iran Brooks Show right after this break. You're listening to Iran Brooks Show on The Blaze. Israeli military veteran and radical for capitalism. It's the Yaron Brook Show on the Blaze Radio Network. We're talking about the universal basic income today, and uh, it's why it's why it's in the news, why people care about it, and uh, what its advantages and disadvantages. So let's let's go quickly over its advantages, and and it has some some uh, you know pretty significant advantages. Um, I think the biggest advantage is it gets rid of this unbelievable bureaucracy that's involved in welfare. It gets rid of all these pressure groups, of all the people who are lobbying and pushing for this little welfare program versus that little welfare program. And let's be clear, what, what Charles Murray is proposing is actually a constitutional amendment that prohibits any other welfare program from being passed other than this universal basic income. So it replaces everything. It gets rid of Medicare and Medicaid and Social Security and all the food stamps and food programs and, I don't know, cash programs and education, you know, education grants and housing and all the different things. And it's replaced with one thing. So it means getting rid of bureaucrats, hundreds of thousands probably of them. It means increasing efficiency, but more importantly than anything in my view, and I don't think Charles Murray really talks about this much, is getting rid of the pressure groups, getting rid of of the lobbying, getting rid of the constant, uh, you know, I want this and I want that and, I, you know, I want to go after these guys and, and the constant haggling and, 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 and constant warfare that the current warfare state 
creates the welfare state as it is today is a is a system of pressure group warfare this pressure group is trying to steal my money uh, and this pressure group wants more of my money than that pressure groups and they're fighting between each other for my money and your money and to raise the taxes on all of us to take all of our money and, and these days because of the debt they're really arguing about our children's money and our grandchildren's money and they're fighting and they're fighting with money and they're fighting with votes and uh, and they're fighting in a sense uh, in the streets by by threatening politicians by threatening us the people with the money so the system we have today is is basically you know gang warfare out there it's it's pressure group politics and this is what you see with all these different um factions with all these different lobbyists in each little group in each little program has an army of lobbyists, an army of supporters, an army of people that rally around it. And, and take Medicare. Medicare is an old people's program. Old people love Medicare and old people vote. So you can't touch Medicare because old people vote and they threaten congressmen that if they don't protect Medicare, they're not going to get their votes. And there's a massive lobby organization, organizations in Washington, D.C., just dedicated for Medicaid. And then Medicaid has its constituency, and then doctors have to decide whether they benefit the most. And the American Doctors Association has to decide where they're going to get the most goodies from, from which program should they support. And why is it so hard to get rid of Obamacare right now? Among many things, one of the reasons, maybe not the primary reason, is that too many people are making money off of Medicare, off of Obamacare right now. And they don't want... They don't want uh, the, uh, you know, they don't want it to go, go, or go away. It's a goodie. It's a goodie that they want to keep. So Medicare, uh, you know, each one of these, each one of these has its own gang, its own group that is fighting for it, both in the public and in Washington, D.C., in terms of the lobbyist, in terms of congressmen, in terms of everything else. So the beauty of UBI, the thing that I find appealing about it, I have to admit, is it gets rid of all of that. Gets rid of all of that. Now you have one program. We have one program. Everybody is getting a set amount. Um, it's automatic. It, 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 you know, the money comes into the treasury. It goes out. It, there's no bureaucracy associated with it. They don't have to measure how much money you made yesterday, last year. They don't care about how you're using your health care. You use this money to buy health insurance. And if you're on Medicare, it goes away. You use the money to buy health insurance. Social Security goes away. You use this money to live off of if you're old. And if you want to live off of more than $10,000 a year, you do something unthinkable. Revolutionary. You actually save. You save. So how we actually get there, it, 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 you know, is a question. How do we transition to this system? But as it stands right now, um, I mean, put aside how we get there. It eliminates all these programs. It's simple. It gets rid of the biggest welfare programs, which are Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security. And it gives people personal responsibility. They now get to decide how to live their life, how much to work, how much to save. They know they're going to get this amount and that's it. And then what can they do with that? How can they live on that? The, you create private markets and insurance because you get the money. 
You don't get insurance from the government. What you get is money, and then you can buy insurance with that money. You can decide how to use that money. Hey, lots, lots, and lots of positive benefits to this. It increases personal responsibility. It decreases, if it's at 10000 like the Charles Money Program, it, it, it decreases bureaucracy. It decreases pressure group politics. It decreases gang warfare. And it increases dramatically uh, the marketplace for insurance, for healthcare, for all these other things. And we'll get, we'll get into uh, other ways in which it's a benefit uh, when we get back after I've got a hard break here. I guess for news, it's, it's, the, it's the top of the hour break. But when we get back, we'll talk about more of those advantages. And then, of course, we'll talk about the disadvantages, the significant disadvantages. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to come out in the end for UBI, but it's interesting. It's interesting. And it's important to recognize why it's appealing. And it's important to recognize that it could be, it could actually be a way to get rid of welfare altogether. All right. Um, you're listening to your own book show on the Blaze Radio Network, and uh, we're going to go to a break here, and we'll be back to finish this topic and to talk about minimum wage laws. You're listening to the Yaron Brooks Show on the Blaze Radio Network. 